dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. The easiest way to get lost in doing anything is to not know what you're trying to do to begin with. Anytime we're called to lead a project of any kind, our leadership begins with vision. But what if we can't find a vision? Is there something deeper at the root of being able to cast a vision for moving forward? There is. We call it the power to dream. Dream is the power within a leader to reach forward towards something that you do not yet possess. And its roots lay in healing our ability to desire things. Hey everybody, welcome back to our session here uh, where we're trying to go deeper together in our understanding of how to cast a vision. And I just want to begin with, you know, an understanding that this is not something that's easy for most leaders. I think this is actually one of the parts of leadership which is the most difficult. In my experience working with leaders, this is an area where you, you kind of have a special gift for it or you don't. And that's what most people think. And I agree that there, there is definitely a proclivity in some people to be able to see what doesn't yet exist and then to be able to move a team towards that goal, right? So usually this on, on your different teams, these are the people that are called the idea guys, right? <laughs> that's a very interesting term, you know, because it's, it's like the type of person that at the meetings will always come up with new ideas. Or if you have the need for ideas, you can always turn to the idea guy, so to speak. And that person will just come forward with, this is where we should go. And it seems like almost second nature to them. And you can, on the one hand, really envy that type of person. Like, how do they, how do they always have this, this ability to see where there is nothing into this black box, right? And then pull out something that doesn't exist yet. But on the other hand, it's also a bit of a cross because I know, because I am an idea guy. And let me just tell you, idea guys are not always appreciated <laughs> the way that we ought to be, right? Because on the other hand, you can come up with so many ideas that it can really boggle or confuse the processes that are in place because you, in the end, you can only really do one thing at a time. And so you can have too many of these. But I find that the struggle we have most of the time isn't that we have too much vision. It's instead that we really struggle to find something that innovates, something that breaks forth into, into the space of what we're trying to do and, and does it in a new way that, that redefines the, the box in which we're operating. I'm saying this is something that is unique, is a powerful tool in leadership, and it's something that all leaders more or less will have. I mean, every human being who's leading in any sphere of their life from a mom or a dad or a Boy Scout troop leader, I mean, whatever you're doing, decorating your home for Christmas, it always requires if you're going to go from A, from an existing A to a non-existing B, well, you have to have the ability within yourself to reach out towards that non-existing B in some way, shape or form and bring your actions towards it. Right? It's just it's an essential element of being a human being and being alive in, in the world. And I think, where does that come from? If it's in every one of us 
to have the ability to right to go towards something that doesn't exist yet to if you're going to sweep the floor well you have to have some idea of what a swept floor looks like and then you have to have some idea of what you're trying to do when you're sweeping the floor something as simple as that or folding the laundry so your mom your dad when you're little will teach you how to fold the laundry so that when you look at a pile of clothes you have a finished idea in your mind that you're bringing the clothes towards it's a very simple and silly kind of example of leadership but then again it's a really interesting one because it shows us that getting dream inside of you and that ability is something that you learn that you're taught when you first enter into your job space you're usually not someone who's got lots of vision you're someone who's learning to have the vision you're learning how to accomplish the task, how the things work, so that your ideas aren't just pie-in-the-sky wishes, but they're actually concrete realities of what could be given the circumstances that you're currently in, the team that you have, the functioning that you do, the mission that you've been given. That realism is a key, and we're going to talk about that. It's a real key to being effective in your, in your vision casting. But that realism is built upon an initial intake that's very important. And especially for those of us who are in leadership and we want to bring our people into innovative ideas or into at least into leadership themselves where they can move the ball forward for you. Right? This is the dream of everyone. Everyone who owns a business is to have all of your employees wanting the goal as badly as you do, right? So how do you do that? Well, immediately ask yourself the question, am I training them to be sufficiently aware of what we do that they can bring it forward? Are we, am I keeping them just in a silo, in a little box where they're just supposed to do their thing and they don't have that overarching vision or the ability to even see it so that then they can lay hold of it? Right? So that's an important aspect to this, but it's not at the heart of it. If I really sit back and I say, what enables somebody foundationally, to look from an existing point A towards a non-existing point B and say, I want to move us <laughs> from this existing point A to a, that non-existing point B. I mean, what, where does that come from? Well, I think it has its, its foundational root in the self-assertion, self-confidence of a human being to say, I know who I am and deep down inside, I know I have a right to say something. And we talked about that in the previous session, but more to the point, it has its root in this power of a human being to desire, to want. And, and, and your self-esteem is an essential foundation for that desire to want, because what, if you look at the philosophy of human desire, a desire is always for a good that will augment who I am, build me up, edify what is currently there. So if I do not love what is currently there and don't appreciate and accept myself as a good, I will have a really hard time wanting anything that's going to add to me. And you see this when, when a person's self-esteem is flawed, they, the sign of that is that they won't want anything. You say, don't you want to eat? No, they don't want to eat. Don't you want a new job? No, they don't want a new job. It's almost like they've given up on life. And if you really analyze why they've given up on life, a lot of times it'll be because they don't foundationally see why they are good or understand or appreciate their own potential as a human being. And when that's broken, the sign of that is that they're not going to reach forward towards anything new. 
And then, of course, the fruit from that is that they're not going to lead anything. They're going to be on the sideline of life, watching as life passes them by, and other people tell them what to do. And all they're really seeking is to be left alone. Because deep down inside, they don't love themselves enough. And of course, this is where being a Christian is such an asset. Because I, we are called as Christians to love ourselves as God loves us. That's a real foundational, beautiful, redeeming, creative blessing. That as God loves me, so I can love myself. And I need to love myself and see myself as God loves and as God sees me. And I get to do that because of the redemption in Christ who looked at me and my sin and looked at me and my brokenness and then gave his life for me. The son of God died for me. (laughs) He loves me so much that he died for me and he gave me his grace and he gave me his body and blood as my food and drink. So if I can adjust myself to reality and look at myself through his eyes instead of the eyes of condemnation or the eyes of the world or the eyes of whatever, well, then there's no stopping what I can do. And that beautiful acceptance of myself as being loved by Jesus and, and recapitulated in Christ then extends itself in desire. And you'll see this as soon as someone really accepts the redeeming power of Jesus into their life that transformed them, the fruit of that will be that they want. They want to move forward. They want to tell the world about Jesus. They want to dare great things for Christ. Right? And that's, that's an example of how that works. I want to look at it more, a little bit more deeply with you by talking about St. Thomas Aquinas and his philosophy of desire. Would you like to hear more from Father Nathan? Join the St. John Leadership Network and receive a two-minute glance at the gospel every Sunday morning right to your phone. To learn more, go to www.stjohnleadershipnetwork.org member and join for free today. Okay, so foundationally, we all leadership is a question of moving from one point that currently exists to a future point, a better state, right? To improve the situation that you've been given. And then you collaborate that with a team, you move together with people, you bring other people behind you. But at the same time, the foundation of it all is that you're trying to achieve something that does not yet exist. Okay, that's why you're leading. You're pushing them forward from where you currently are to where you want to be. Well, that, that ability to see the invisible and to stretch forward towards it has, of course, many different aspects to it. I just think that foundationally at its heart, it's the question of your ability to dream, your ability, therefore, to desire something that, that you don't yet have. A leader, in other words, is going to lead their group from the inside by bringing a spirit to the project that says, we are bound to complete this. And of course, we all know that our teams will invisibly listen for that inner desire. Because if you as a boss, you as a manager, if you as a business owner don't want to see the thing happen, it's the surest way to get no one to follow you. It's just like in a company, when you want to make a change in the culture of your company, everyone knows it comes from the top down because no one is going to do anything that their leaders themselves don't want to see happen. So the real question of why am I, why am I not being effective in my home life? For example, as parents, here's a great example. You want your kids to pray. You want your kids to be, you know, going to church. 
Well, do you exhibit a real desire for it? Or do you yourself act like it's an obligation? I have to go to mass on Sundays, right? Like we should be saying, I get to go to mass on Sunday. It's a privilege for me to be going to mass on Sunday. I should be excited about it. My children will follow in the footsteps of a culture that's laid out by the expression of the heart of want of desire much more than they will by by ideas or by you know fancy talk or especially about things that we're doing out of duty this is not and it's not attractive to do things out of duty what's attractive to people is when you do things out of love well love foundationally is about this hunger inside where i look and this is where saint thomas aquinas comes in thomas aquinas looks at this and he says what's happening when you desire is that you're actually looking to increase your own goodness right so you see something out there that's not you that you know if you possess or interact with will build up what you currently are and what you currently have so my love for the other is rooted in an understanding of my love for myself. Now, it's subconscious. You don't think of it that way. But the healthier a person is, the more that they love to love, the more that they don't, they're not afraid to give because you receive so much more when you give than when you keep for yourself. It's like that, that scene from It's a Wonderful Life when Jimmy Stewart's pondering what he's going to do in the presence of, of a bank run. And he looks at the picture of his dad, who's this saintly kind of figure in the movie, a very generous banker who helped out all kinds of poor people. And his, his picture of his dad's on the wall. And underneath the picture of the dad, there's a little saying. It says, you can only keep what you have given away. And he looks at that and then he decides to go ahead and, and try to help all these people with the funds just like his dad did. But you can only keep what you've given away. You see how that works? Like you've got to, first of all, accept that you want to keep things, which is why then you don't mind giving it away. You don't mind desiring and wanting things because you foundationally have accepted that you are good. And that, that, for that healing of, of your vision of yourself, which Christ gives us, is therefore the key to unlocking this second stage which is really the heart of casting a vision, which is resurrecting in yourself your own heart. That darn it all, I want something. And it's okay to want something. It's okay to say that where I'm currently at is inadequate and that where I'm going is going to be better. The optimism that, that drives any leader is founded in this, this, the dynamics of their inner desires. In other words, I can't lead anyone if I'm not enthusiastic about where I'm going. If I'm not optimistic that where we're going is a better place, they're not going to follow me to a place that's no good. I mean, if I'm, if I'm dragging my feet and if my head is down and if I'm not even you know, speaking convincingly about what I want, the people are going to say, well, he doesn't really want it anyway. It's not a good thing for us. And therefore, they're not going to follow. But if my vision is inhabited by hope, by the desire that where we're actually going is going to be even better than where we are now. And that hope itself is rooted in this deep wanting desire that I've allowed to inhabit my heart. I become an attractive person. An idea becomes sellable, becomes buyable by the people around me. The more that inside they see that I'm genuinely excited about what it is that I'm trying to sell, trying to bring, trying to bring my people into. 
And of course, isn't this, an, again, an amazing Christian moment where we see the power of Christianity and how it affects our leadership because Christianity foundationally is about love. And all love foundationally is about a desire, wanting another's good, wanting to see another flourish. Whenever I love anyone, loving God, loving my fellow human being, I enter into a dynamic of thirst where I quest and reach out for myself towards the, the, the goodness that I see deep down inside of them in order to make that goodness shine out even more. When I'm in love with somebody, I'm at their service, at the service of their good, but at, with a desire. It's almost like my love allows me to look into the future, into things that don't yet exist, which are not yet in my hand, and to make them come alive. That's the, the power, therefore, as a Christian person, I have a unique advantage in terms of leadership because I have an opening in my heart naturally towards moving everyone forward. Because I'm a person who's operating out of love and that therefore is trying to make the world a better place. It's only natural that ideas will come forth from that. That leadership will be the output of love. And of course, this has huge implications for your home life as well. If you want to lead your family better, fall more in love with God. The more that we love God, the more, the more that we're able to love the people that are around us, the more that ideas, that innovation, that change, that true leadership is going to be possible. Would you like to start your Thursday mornings with a scriptural leadership lesson? Join the St. John Leadership Network, where Father Nathan hosts a 30-minute call at 6.30 a.m. in all four U.S. time zones. To learn more, go to www.stjohnleadershipnetwork.org member and join for free today. So we're talking a lot about the understanding of desire here and its power because you can understand any, anyone who really wants something will be the source of change. Right? And, the, and the source of action. If you want to start something, start a fire, start a movement, uh, make something happen in your workplace or in your family or in your marriage, it all starts deep down inside with asking, do you want it? And of course, literature and cultural expressions of arts are full of this same theme. I'm, I'm thinking of a silly kind of example, but it's a good one of, of Rocky, right? The Rocky series. And each one of the Rocky movies, what happens is that Rocky has to go back and really ask himself what he wants to accomplish. Does he want to keep on fighting? Is, is, is there a fire in him that he can't put out? And of course, there always is. They call that fire the eye of the tiger. And you've got, you know, wonderful movies that are inspirational to us. But they're inspirational because they're real. You know, when, when, you're, when you're really challenged with a lack of leadership, for example, in, one, in your spouse or a lack of leadership on your team, you know, you got to go back and say, what's going to get them to want this the way that I want it? You know, it's a lot of times I've worked with small businesses and as small business owners will struggle with this because they've pushed from zero to one, right? They've gone from nothing to having an established business and they're looking to pass that on to the next generation and they look down and they're like, I don't know if they really want this the way that I do. Do they have inside of them the fire that it's going to take? for them to be able to effectuate and do everything that they're going to have to do. And you can look down and say, I, I, well, deep down inside, it's not a question of just having skills. It's not a question of having resources. It's a question of having desire. 
How do you open the heart to want things? And there, of course, our Lord and our faith is, is the key for, for a lot of that healing. A Christian, in other words, is someone who has adopted a mindset that they are in the world to improve it. And therefore, we've already, we've already said, I am, by nature, as a Christian, an agent of change. I am, therefore, by nature, as a Christian, I am a leader. Right? Every Christian is called to lead. Because every Christian has been given the mission by Christ to heal a broken world, to bring change in a positive way. Right? And so our desire, especially for the more that we are Christian, the greater our desires will be. Because the more that we're Christian, the more that we've surrendered our life into an, an optic of love that stretches out from ourselves towards the good that we are in love with. Now, when we are in love with Christ and his good, well, then operating as agents of his kingdom, wherever we are, becomes an automatic, almost automatic response. It's something that freely that I submit myself to because I can't live in my job as if I wasn't a member of the body of Christ in my job. I mean, a lot of you are not happy where you're working and you say, I don't even know the purpose of what I'm trying to do. And the problem isn't the job itself, it's the attitude you're taking into the job. You're not looking at that job as a gift between you and your Lord, where every day you get to go into that grind, into that battle, into the defeats of yesterday with a mindset that you are there in order to fight for Christ, with Christ, and in Christ. Right? It says that you're looking at your battle from a holy, non-Christian perspective. When you adopt an attitude of faith, then you say everything that's going to happen to me today has been uh, foreordained and provided for by my God. And I am here in order to labor out of love for him. And therefore, for my fellow human beings, as I push things forward in, in a way that has value. But if you're really convinced that your job has no value, well, then maybe you need a new job. You know what I mean? But like, don't sit there and allow your heart to, be, to grow sterile under the weight of someone else's yoke when you are serving the yoke of the king of kings, right? And that's what's so powerful about getting, putting your faith life into your work life because it allows the freshness of love to be at the source of the changes and the leadership that you need to exhibit every day where you work, right? So deep down inside, I know what, what's, what's difficult about this, this ability to dream is that it means accepting a certain ideal, a certain uh, ability to see what is not there. And there's a lot of people that just have a real tr trouble with that because you're so focused in on the problems that are in front of you that it's hard to open yourself up to the solutions that could come. I, I'm reminded of Aristotle. He talks about four different elements. There's earth, there's water or liquid, there's gas, and there's fire. And he says, each of these elements has its own way of moving, right? And he says, earth, for example, always moves down, right? And I feel like there's a lot of people out there that are just like that. They're like rocks. <laughs> and no offense, no offense. We all love all the rocks in our life, you know. But at the same kind, you know, rock, rock, rocky people are people too. You know, earthy people are people too. But the, it's kind of a downer. Because no matter what is brought up, it's the same thing. It's the inevitable will happen. This is the way it is. Some things will never change. That's just the way it is. And then you know, leave me alone. You're not going to be a leader if you're like that. 
If you know have one set motion and it's always down or into where you, the weight of things pushes you, well, you're never going to push beyond that. You've got to get over that. The second element he says is liquid or water. And he says a liquid or a water will take the shape of anything that holds it. This also is not a good analogy for leadership, right? Leadership doesn't take the shape of whatever holds it, right? It, it pushes beyond that shape. It changes the environment. But there's a lot of people that are just like water. Hey, if you give me my parameters, I'll do it perfectly. And we know this, and maybe that's a valuable member of the team, but they'll never rise because they're not trying to rise. All they're trying to do is satisfy your expectations. And, that, and then that's it. But you couldn't give them the problems that they need to solve. You can only give them the tasks that they need to accomplish. They're like water. So they're always pleasing to you because they, they've hit whatever parameters you've given them. But then again, they're not really leading. The third type of person or third type of element, which is analogous to a leadership personality, is that of a gas. And he says a gas goes in every direction at the same time. So it really is like, it, 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 it's wonderful, it's there, but it just moves up, down, sideways. You doesn't have any substance to it. Now, that type of person obviously is kind of problematic because you can't really rely on them. They're everywhere, they're always a yes, but then again, they never really seem to put out what you need them to deliver, right? This is not a, not a leader either. But it's the fourth type. Ah, here we see an analogy. For leadership. The fourth element, according to Aristotle, is fire. And he says fire is the only element that moves up. Fire moves up. It moves itself from a current situation and stretches upward. And of course, that's, that's true. You know, coming from the Midwest, I remember ice fishing on lakes and it always surprises you, but you can, st you can start a fire right on top of the ice and the ice isn't going to melt because the heat goes up. The fire goes up. Wouldn't it be amazing if you had fire inside of you? I mean, if you resembled more that fire, which of course is the symbol of the Holy Spirit and the symbol of God's gift to us, he comes to us as fire because he wants us to move this world into a new space, to take what we've been given and to make it better, to be the source of improvement, the agents of change, the leaders for this world. Christ comes to cast a fire upon the earth. He even says that. And how he wishes that we were blazing. And that's the image that I want to leave you with. I want to leave you with, yes, it's uncomfortable to hope. It's uncomfortable to stretch. It's uncomfortable to look towards what does not exist. But that's only because it's uncomfortable to love. But what would our world and our life look like if we didn't have love? It's worth it. Go for it. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.